0: Hey everyone, this is Sam Culpepper, bringing you the Culpepper Chronicles, where myself and special guests hope to bring you, the listener, more information in regards to self-sufficiency, fieldcraft, survival, marksmanship, gear, and theory, with the aids of not only personal experience and opinion, but historical and technical documentation as well, all in the hopes to better prepare you for impending collapse and hard times to come. Now, pull up a seat and let's get down to it. What's up everybody this is sam coming to you with episode number nine of the Culpepper chronicles tonight we're going to talk about fighting rifles so this is something that has been asked a lot to me recently or commented on to me recently uh since i showcased kind of my current setup which is not really within the realm of what most people are using right now uh if you haven't seen it on instagram i'm using a 20 inch rifle upper on a uh, classical stock uh, carbine lower. And I have my reasons for that. I'll kind of get into it later, but because of that, a lot of people have said, Hey, why are you doing this? You know, no one else is really doing this. Uh, I don't really understand. And I've commented and replied as much as I can on that. I thought I'd just go ahead and do a episode regarding fighting rifles and why you should or should not choose what you, you have or haven't chosen. Maybe you're someone who's just currently looking for one, uh, and you're, trying to you know navigate the sea of options that are out there right now so uh, hopefully we can get some answers out there for you what I'm not going to do is tell you what to buy uh, there are so many people out there who say hey you have to buy this you have to buy that if you don't buy that you're a loser um, that's really the wrong way to go about it because everybody has different needs uh, and you have to make a educated decision for yourself so hopefully what I can do is give you information to help you make that decision so with that being said Uh, I do have my current rifle out on the table. I'll go ahead and safety check it for all those who, since you can't see it, uh, maybe it'll just make you have a little bit more peace of mind. So it is cleared. Um, What I don't have on the table are uh, the other options that I have kind of at hand that I'll talk about uh, a little bit later on. Because if you're someone who lives in a restricted state or a banned state, You may not be able to have, you know, an AR-15 or an AK or anything like that. If that's the case, that's fine. Uh, I'll touch on that later on because I do have some options for you uh, that you may want to consider. So let's get into it. Uh, First thing is going to be location environmental factors. So what you need to figure out is your location, not only necessarily geographically, uh, but what's you know specific environmental factors are you possibly going to be facing so if you are someone who lives in a very 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 vegetated state um you, you're going to have really really short distance shots uh you're going to have to fight through vegetation with your rounds Uh, you may want something in a heavier caliber um, which this can be debated uh, a heavier caliber to help punch through that vegetation or uh at the very least, it is going to be less affected by vegetation as far as deflection goes with a lighter caliber round. Uh, and you may not necessarily need a longer barrel length because you may not necessarily need all the velocity that a, a given round can have because you're only engaging it, you know, maximum of 100 yards. Uh, so, your, your location as well as uh, weather. <clears throat> so, if you're someone who lives in an extremely cold environment, uh, a lot of the DI guns, which is direct impingement, like the AR-15s and stuff like that, while they still can function in extreme cold, they don't do as well as something that's a piston. So like an AK or like a long stroke piston, like the, uh, believe the Scars piston, you, you have like options like the DeVore and the Aug and things like that. Those are, uh, those are piston systems that, uh, are going to just behave better in extreme cold. It, it, it's just kind of a fact. Um... Let's look at need. So what do you need out of your rifle? Um, Given our context, if you're listening to this, most likely your intended need or your thought of need is going to be uh, kind of multi-focused. It's going to be self-defense. It's going to be uh, property defense and or defense of life and liberty. uh, Or it could be hunting or just, you know, meat gathering or something like that for the homestead. So you need to pick something that's going to give you enough ballistic, uh, output to, to handle all those as well as not be over cumbersome for your needs or under cumbersome for your needs. Um, you need to factor all that stuff in because if you are in an area where maybe you're not having to, uh, defend yourself from two legged predators, but the, the, Reality is you may face, you know, black bear, brown bear, grizzly bear, whatever, often in the area that you live in. You know, a 5.56 gun is probably not the best option for you, regardless of barrel length, regardless of attachments, regardless of that. You're going to need something with more behind it uh, as far as terminal ballistics go. Uh, So that kind of falls into intent and role. Um, Let's say you are talking about self-defense. So your intent is going to be within your, uh, your house or on your property, at least for the area that I live in, you can defend your property. As long as your life is threatened, you know, someone's stealing your tractor, it's not really a good reason to, uh, to shoot them for the most part. But, um, if that's the case, you need to factor in what area you have that you can necessarily classify as defendable. So for me, I have my home, which is, you know, an average size home, you know, anywhere between 14, 1800 square foot, but, uh, my yard I can have a shot out to about uh, 125 yards if I'm if I'm angling the entire the entire distance of, of our, our yard so with that being said I also am trying to factor in property defense from a life and liberty aspect or if I'm having to like anchor a shot on a coyote that's out in the field after livestock um, I may have a shot upwards of 475. Um, the longest the longest that I've ranged a shot that I could even potentially take is about seven hundred and twenty three yards um, and that's from the edge of my property to the edge of the field that adjoins us uh, at the farthest point so technically, I could have a shot out to seven hundred and twenty three yards so I had to factor that in when when specking out my rifle. So for someone, if you're in my case uh you're going to want more ballistics out of your round out of, out of your chosen caliber. And typically, that's going to mean a longer barrel. Now, there are points where you have, you know, degradation uh, for length, but for the most part, you will need a longer barrel. Uh, however, the flip side of that is if you're someone who is only going to be, you know, again, focusing on a 50-yard shot, you know, that's the absolute max. You know, from the front porch to the, uh, the absolute edge of, of edge of your arguable property that you could be defending yourself um, is 50 yards, and you don't need a whole lot of barrel length uh, at all for that matter. Um, Terminal ballistics still play in. Like, you know, an 8-inch AR-15 is not going to be your friend. But um, you can get by with something like a 10.5 or 11. Or 11.5-inch barrel. Uh, Availability. So, this is going to come into kind of a two-part deal. So, you have ammo availability and you have firearm availability. So, if you live in a country where the host nation primarily uses 762 by 39 rifles or or rifles chambered in 762 by 39 and that is not only your government uh military but also your law enforcement it, or whatever law enforcement you have um if they're using 762 by 39 chances are you don't want to mess with a rifle that's chambered in anything other than that um you're not going to have the availability because ammo being what it is if you if you really look at it it's tailored to uh the prevalence so uh if the if eighty five percent of your country or your area is 762 by thirty nine uh chances are your gun store or your local uh source for ammunition is not going to have you know five five six by uh forty five or anything like that It doesn't make any sense for them to they're going to uh try and uh, appeal to those in the majority and it's just business so um, <clears throat> the flip side of that is. If you have to source ammunition, so let's say it's a grid down situation where you're having to source ammunition, any ammunition you come across, like from a government vehicle, let's say somehow a police officer's vehicle has been T-boned in an intersection and you are there and just happen to be able to uh, scavenge the uh, the supplies out of it. Chances are it's going to be whatever they have. And if they are using 762x39 and you're running around with an AR-15 chambered in 556, you're kind of SOL. So, and that's kind of, you know, vice versa. If you're someone who's in the States, the States are primarily AR-15 based. Um, they're primarily 556x45 based. So if you are running around with a, 30, a 308 or a, uh, a 762x39 AK or like a 545 uh, by what was it? 545 by 39 or whatever it is. Um, the, the 74 round, if you're running around with that and you're trying to source ammo, you're going to have a harder time sourcing it because most people are going to be having 556 by, uh, 45, um, or, um, 223, depending on, you know, what they're, what they're doing with it. You can kind of interchange those. Um, so if you're finding ammo, it's going to most likely be, you know, 556. So you need to factor those in when you're choosing a rifle because you will not always have the ability to go online and, you know, get a credit card solution to a problem and and order ammo. You should be doing that now. You should be stocking up on what you can now. Um, That way you have less need to supply from uh, the area around you. But you have to factor that in because at some point your supply is going to dwindle and you're going to have to source somewhere else. So uh, that's also going to come down to uh, logistics, so parts. And magazines, if you're uh, in an area that's primarily AK-based and you're using an, an AR, you're going to have a harder time sourcing parts and uh, spare parts, maintenance parts, uh, replacements, um, barrels, things like that from, uh, from those areas because they're just not going to have it. The, the prevalence is going to be the AKs. So, And then, again, you have the, the vice versa side of that, which is if you are uh, in an area primarily AR-based and you're running around with, you know, a FAL you're gonna have a harder time sourcing parts. So you're gonna to have to stock up on parts at your own dime and your own time uh in order to uh increase the longevity of your platform, which again you should be doing that type of stuff anyways, but it's just if you are trying to factor everything in, that's something that you need to be thinking about. Um that comes down to uh magazines. So if uh at the very least if you're in an area that's AR based and you just don't want to run an AR, get something that's that's set up for the AR platform and magazines. Um, so like a Tavor, uh, X-39 and some of the Augs, they can be, uh, had the, uh, are set up for AR-15 mags. I think that's really the way to go. I think some of the Glials, like the Glial Ace and stuff like that, they're set up for, uh, AR mags. So if you just don't want to run an AR-15, which if you don't, hey, it's whatever. Um, there are some reasons to and not to. Um, if that's the case, then you need to be at least, in my opinion, uh, using AR and a... Firearms set up for AR pattern magazines. That way you can at least source magazines because magazines are expendable. Uh, magazines go bad. They just do. I don't care how many Gen 3P mags you have. You're going to have a rotten egg somewhere in there at some point. Brand new even at some cases. Uh, and if that's the case, you want to have to source them and you're going to be better off having something that's at least uh, magazine capable <clears throat> or compatible. And that also goes for a team environment. So if everyone in your team is using uh, ARs and you want to be the odd man out and not use an AR, uh, at the very least you would have mag compatibility within your team. So if they have to toss you mag or if they have to pick up mags off of your dead body, you are not being a liability. Um, let's see here. I went over top spending on States. Uh, now we kind of get into the semantics of what to choose and for why. So I've kind of laid out my situation. Uh, I am, I am kind of playing in all three factors. I'm looking for self-defense, home and property, life and liberty defense, uh, as well as, uh, hunting and, and meat providing for the family. So for me, because I choose an AR-15, I am trying to play to its weaknesses, which should be the, uh, the 55 grain, uh, bullet. Mm-hmm. So it's not a super heavy round. It's not a super heavy impact round. Uh, it has a lot of wind factors, especially at distance because it's a light round, um, it's depending on the bullet, you know, it's more about fragmentation and, and uh, tumbling than, than anything else. Uh, so for me, I'm trying to factor in for XM-193, uh, 55 grain XM-193 uh, NATO spec. That's kind of, that's what I stock up. That's what I, I pretty much keep uh, because it's from what I pulled in talking with other people, um, especially uh, local police departments and things like that, people that I know that work on them, they typically roll with a uh, 55 grain ammo. It's not necessarily 193, but they're, they're most usually using 55 grain. So if I'm zeroed and set up for that, I'll have less deviation between that and like 62 or 70 or 77 grain, uh, ammunition. Plus it's typically cheaper when you buy it. Uh, if you buy it in bulk, it's usually cheaper to get 55 grain, even steel case, uh, compared to something that's this heavier like a 62 or a 70 grain bullet. So because of that, uh, this kind of comes into the reason why I chose the, uh, the 20 inch upper, um, I'm, I'm getting the maximum velocity that I can before I get to the, the diminished returns of an even longer barrel when it comes to the, uh, the 55 grain XM193. So I'm getting all the velocity out of it. <clears throat> I'm going to have more velocity at distance on impact because of that. Um, this is kind of twofold. One, for hunting, it's a little bit more ethical in my opinion to uh, to have that velocity and really uh, play to the maximum specs of that ammo, um, as well as a lot of dudes running around with steel plates, and I can vibe check them at a farther distance uh, with a twenty-inch barrel, and that's just kind of what what there is to it. Um, I'm I'm I have in front of me a firearm. That i have set up that can not only provide for my family but defend my family and if that's the case i want to maximize its its lethality within the given context of my area uh, i have farther distant shots i have close-in shots uh 20 inches is still easily maneuverable for me i'm a bigger dude i, I just don't seem to have an issue with it all the hunting guns i've had in my entire life going through the woods have been longer uh and larger than this current rifle so even the 4570 brush gun that i tend to hunt with anymore it's a uh, a quarter inch longer than the, uh, the 20 inch rifle that I have here with this stock fully extended. So I don't have any maneuverability issues. I'm getting velocity. I'm, I'm gaining terminal, terminal ballistics at distance. Um, it's softer shooting and, you know, 55 grain, uh, 556 is not a heavy recoiling round in the first place. But, um, it still does have recoil and because I have more weight and I'm getting, uh, increased powder burn and everything else, it's just softer shooting. It really is. And it's going to be even softer when I change the, uh, the buffer spring out to uh, a Gosley Super 42. It's going to be even better. So with that being said, um, I'm also getting all, uh, all or most of the the powder burn when it comes to the projectile. So I'm getting decreased flash the muzzle, uh, so I can get by with just using a standard A2 flash hider and get... Really, really good flash suppression, which is important to me because I don't run a can. Um, so for me, a 20 inch upper works, and that's not going to work for everybody. I think more people should consider it because I think most people are wrapped around the axle. Of, I have to have a short gun for CQB, um, and then they step off their porch and they can't do diddly squat at 50 yards. But, um, you need to factor in your area. So if you're in an area that's you know super heavily vegetated or short distance, and the maximum. Engagement range for you is going to be a hundred yards, and yeah, you probably get by with a ten-five or eleven-five or ten-three or whatever weird shorty barrel you want out there. Especially if you're going to throw a can on it. Um, if you're someone who wants to uh, to be put on registration for a can and have your name out there, that's cool. I'm not going to judge you. It's whatever. It's not for me necessarily, at least not right now. Um, so if you're going to have a can added to it, then I suggest a shorter barrel so you're not just really getting that uh, super long. Uh, immobile upper because if when you start you know talking the 14 and a half with a a uh, eight nine or 10 inch can thrown on the end of it you know you're getting you're getting pretty long out there you're getting 24 inches or so and there are some cans that are out there that are that long or longer so it just kind of depends on what you end up with i know there are shorter ones but if you're going to be using a can then I, i i really do suggest a shorter barrel you know for me, um, 14.5, that 13.7, 13.9 range with a pin and weld is about as short as I want to go. I'm a big dude. I've got really long arm span. So once you get super short, because i had 11.5s in the past, once you start getting to that point, I get super cramped up on the gun. It's super uncomfortable uh, for anything that's um, a long-duration use. I just don't care for it. I, I feel really cramped, and it feels like I'm holding a toy. And I just I can't – I get, I get less maneuverability with it with my body than I do with the 20 inch even though I know the 20 inch is technically less maneuverable like in a home Uh, it's still totally doable I've dry ran it plenty of times with my current setup but for me it just feels awkward and I'm not happy with it so you have to factor that in as well Um, I think that you should probably stick with 556 unless you're going to run a dedicated can 300 blackout on a short barrel Um, but I really even wouldn't mess with 300 blackout right now because it's so expensive it's hard to stack up in bulk. You're not really looking at that price getting any better. There's not a steel case option out there, really. Um, to my knowledge, anyways, it's going to be imported, uh, especially with the current bands and all that. So I don't think 300 blackout's worth it. Um, Don't jack around with a 9 millimeter upper unless you're doing some sort of weird PCC sub-gun top thing. I think they're pretty much pointless. Um, as far as accessories that go on the rifle... Uh, first and foremost, you don't need a ton of stuff. Uh, You can easily get by with irons and a watt lot and be perfectly fine. Uh, At an absolute minimum, you need to have a siding system and you need to have a lot system. Um, Past those two things, it's kind of what you want to put the money towards, what you want to put the time towards, and uh, what your needs are. So my rifle setting out in front of me right now, I've got a uh, mod lot with the uh, OKW dual fuel head um as my light source i want dual fuel just so i can run the uh, 18650 or two 123s uh everything on my rifle right now is running on 123s except for uh my optics they are both running on 2032s but my lpvo has got the edge reticle, so i don't really have to worry about that too much and then the t2s got a crazy battery life so i don't really worry about that either um so I'm, i'm down to two batteries for my whole rifle system which um I would love to run everything on one twenty threes, honestly, but it's just not happening. Uh with the current setup at least, it's just not happening. If anything changes and I go back to a, a red dot or hollow site with a magnifier, um it'll be an EOTech. that way I can just run one twenty threes across the board and only have one battery for the entire rifle system. But I'm just weird like that and that's something that I want. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um So that's the uh, white light system that I use. And then I have irons on there right now uh, as well. So irons at the very least are what you need. You don't have to have a red dot. You don't have to have a magnified optic. Those only enhance your ability to see. Um, They don't increase your shooting ability, but the more you can see, the more information you have on target, um, the better you tend to shoot. Um, It's also going to increase your PID capability, which is a positive identification and decrease your uh, chance of a no shoot or uh, increase your, your ability to uh, hit targets um, with uh, ambiguity. So, for me, I'm running an LPVO with an offset T2 right now, and that's in a one nine three mount with a twelve o'clock T2. And the reason for that, you uh, know, people are gonna be like, "Oh my god, that's that's super tall," and it is tall. Um, as far as the the T2 goes, it's it's a it's pretty good up there. It's a it's a giraffe neck hold for me and the way my body works, it works really well. Um, I still get a, not a cheek weld. I do get a cheek weld with a 193 LPVO. I don't have to go to a chin weld with that. When it comes to the T2, I'm at a chin weld, but it's a, it's a, with it being at 12 o'clock, I'm not having to roll the gun and it's not something that's going to be uh side dependent. So if I had to transition to my right side, cause I'm a lefty, um, and I need to use my my offset I wouldn't be able to if I had it at a 45 or a 35 degree offset because it would be uh, inboard and then I'd have to do this weird like outboard can't thing to see and it's just going to get super awkward uh, as it is right now all I have to do is raise my head up a little bit and I can see the t2 dot and I'm good to go so that uh, gives me a uh, true 1x capability for anything short range like if I'm in a home or anything like that um, I can because it's bro- when it's broke down the t2 is so high up there I can actually see it while uh, at a low ready and uh, i can I can actually keep the t2 in vision at all time and throw it up edge a little bit quicker uh, yes there's more mechanical offset that's just something you have to train <clears throat> but it also allows me to do passive aiming through not vision so I have a single 14 and uh, I passive aim on that you don't have to have a super high mount to passive aim uh, i can I can do that with a lower one third and a quality red dot Um, But it does make it easier to have it higher up. And passive aiming, I think, is going to be a really big thing, especially for a near-peer type of situation where uh, they have the capability to see in the dark just like you do. And you need to decrease your IR signature and output with your uh, aiming module. And having a passive aiming capability is going to be a must under that uh, regard. Uh, And then that falls into the uh, laser system. I use a full-power D-ball A2. Um, Our light or illuminator and laser and i have that as well as the uh, white light set up on mod buttons uh and i've got a ramp on one to differentiate between the two uh tactilely like with gloves a lot of people don't really factor that in They go, oh yeah i know i have a tape switch on there i can feel it just fine and then they throw gloves on because hey it gets cold and now they can't feel anything so they lose that dexterity and now they're just mashing buttons and turning on their white light when they're trying to do their laser and everything else so all that stuff to factor in uh as far as the lower goes, um, or I guess as far as the heart of the rifle goes, it's a uh it's a BCM twenty inch upper with a BCM uh, bolt carrier group and charging handle. Uh the lower is a KE arms that I picked up like right before Biden got elected because I really needed a lower. <clears throat> and I found that for like 150 bucks at the local gun store and picked it up. And it was all it was all done and look I looked it over, everything looked good, castle nut was staked well, all the parts seemed really good and uh i threw a bcm grip on it and a uh magpul moe sls stock that way i can carry some batteries in the uh, stock so that the rifle is kind of self self self-sustaining if it needs to be so that's my rifle is that going to be your rifle probably not uh not everyone's going to run a rifle set up the way it is as far as as far as the way i have it um i think more people should consider it but you know not everyone's going to do that and that's perfectly fine if you're in an area that you live in the middle of nowhere like in the middle of freaking montana or wyoming where it's a big sky country and your house is setting up on a hill and you command the view for miles upon miles i i mean i'd set up an ar-15 that's for like a 200 and in gun with a red dot maybe a magnifier behind it and a can or something and have that thing at like a 14 and a, half or, or a, 12 and a half barrel and set that to the side, and I would look at long-range guns. I'd be looking at a long-range bolt gun that you can reach out and touch them. That way you can uh, solve the problem way before it gets to your front door. That's what I'd be looking at for that. Uh, So, you know, everything has to be factored in. Don't get suckered into uh, doing what all the cool people are doing or what the people you deem to be cool are doing online or on social media or in movies or anything like that sit down and critically think about every little bit that's going into your awful and don't be afraid to try something that's against the flow of everything else to see if it works for you um you may have to sell it because it doesn't work but if it does work hey it works for you and as awful as that statement is and everyone hates hearing well it works for me there is something to that so always always factor in your personal needs and don't just try and mirror somebody else because you think it looks cool or because they say it's the best thing ever Chances are it's not. So, uh, like I talked about at the beginning, um, there are people who are in not-free states, and they do not have the ability to legally own things like those in the free states do. With that being said, they are usually limited to ammo capacity as well as features, so that's where you run into people who have, like, the weird fin grips and the weird stalks that don't necessarily have a grip, but they do have a grip, and then they have, like, a 5- or a 10-round mag. And As much as I want to say, hey, get an AR-15, and then just get the parts set aside somewhere stashed and buried in your yard that you can <clears throat> keep to the side and use uh, when things go down. Because if the world ends tomorrow, the ATF doesn't care they don't care about any of that crap anymore <clears throat> so if that's the case don't limit yourself if you can get the stuff i say put it in a tupperware box and tape it up really good and bury it in your yard and pretend like it doesn't exist until you need it <clears throat> but that's just me being me however um there are to my knowledge some states that don't even allow anything that looks like an ar-15 in their borders I don't know exactly how true that is or anything like that. It may just be people who don't want to deal with it. I know that some places like Australia. So if you're listening and you're an Aussie, um, I've talked to people before that they can't have anything like that remotely. They can have lever guns though, and lever guns are one of those things that every little growing uh, boy needs. Everyone needs at least one, <clears throat> even if it's just uh, you know an old Marlin thirty thirty. You should have one because uh, historically speaking. Those were the assault rifles of the day. They were the pistol caliber carbines of the day. Um, and they can still be ran extremely effectively in the right hands with the right training today. And if you are someone who either does not have the ability to purchase, like, like physically there is not one anywhere around that you can purchase that's an AR-15 or an AK or anything like that, but you can get your hands on something like a, like a Rossi, uh, 92 or something like that chambered in 357 38 do it and uh don't be afraid to do so because you have the ability to have upwards of 10 rounds depending on the model of 38 special or 357 magnum especially special 357 magnum in a light little package that you can really lay rounds down pretty quick uh you, there are lots of people who are kind of uh, tailoring accessories to those people, and I think that's awesome. So you're looking at light mounts and optic mounts and things like that for those uh, those models of firearms. In my opinion, if you were going to do it, I would get a Marlin. What is it? The ninety Marlin ninety four. I'm wanting to say it's the uh, their pistol caliber version. <clears throat> I can't remember exactly which model it is, but their uh, their pistol caliber version and get the uh, 357 38 and i would mount a uh, t2 to the top of it or a comp 5 or something like that a micro red dot uh an aim point preferably i know that there are a lot of people who say hollow sun stuff's just as good and it's not bad but if you have the ability to get an aim point and i would put a uh a dual fuel white light on it and a sling and I would get a bunch of speed strips, the little tough products or uh, Bianchi speed strips, and learn how to run that thing like you've never ran it before. Because if you can sit there and lay down 10 rounds of 38 or 357 relatively quickly with really good accuracy and then reload it as you go, because you have to feed them as you go, just like a shotgun, uh, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with to anyone who's trying to come in uh, with anything less than that. Uh, They're actually an excellent option, and it's something that I was looking at doing very heavily uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration because I wasn't sure exactly how things were going to go. I was not by any means going to give up my AR, uh, but if I had to pretend it no longer existed, I wanted to still be able to defend my, my family and myself and my property, and it was going to be a Marlin and a 357 configuration setup just like I talked about. And I would carry a bunch of speed strips, loaded up in my pocket, and call it good. And that gives you quite a bit of capability for anything you would realistically be facing. So that is an option for you. Outside of that, you're looking at whatever the uh, state-specific accessories are that allow you to have an AR-15 if you want to deal with having 5 and 10 round mags, uh, at which point, honestly, I would build one up. With whatever specs the states allow, I would get relatively comfortable with it. And I would sideline it and hide it somewhere and get a lever gun. Because 10 rounds is usually the magic number that they always come up with. It's you know nothing over 10 rounds. So you can get a 10 round lever gun in 357 and just really get good with it. And most people aren't going to freak out as much when they see that. They're not going to look at that as a weapon of war or anything. And you can toss that in your truck and go to town. Which, you know, you don't really necessarily want to. But you toss that in your truck and go around your farm or anything like that. And if for some reason a government official shows up and says, you know, show me your rifle. And you don't feel like uh, shooting them in the face. Um, you can show them that. And that should get you by. Uh, all that being said, guys, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not suggesting you uh, break the wonderful laws that we have today. But understand that you are a free individual. If you live in these United States, you are a free individual regardless of what's being said to you or uh, or put out to you and you have the right and ability to choose whatever you want to if you so choose to not obey the uh, idiosyncrasies and idiotic laws that we have today and take take things in your own hand and that's up to you Um, i support you fully as long as you are not per you know not crossing the line in my opinion of criminal activity uh be a good person just don't worry about your government. As always, guys, uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything like that, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Um, I look forward to uh, talking to you on the next one. Hopefully it will come out a little bit later this week, and I'll be able to get a, uh, a new guest for you. It's just been a little bit hard logistic-wise uh, getting people on, and that's just the way it is. Life's busy, and everyone else has a life too. So uh, anyways, thanks for listening, and y'all have a good night.